Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the evening service. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Fantastic. Lord, we pray, send your power on us today. Send your spirit on the dry and the weary land. Move the mountains amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been thinking about revival, one of my favorite topics. And we've been thinking about revival as being the spirit of Jesus Christ poured out like living water on the thirsty soul. And that happening in great numbers and then individuals in great numbers, maybe you've experienced that. We've also thought about, next one, when the worst situations are the case, when it looks like all hope is gone, the valley of dry bones, as in Ezekiel 37, it looks like hope is dead, and it's in those very worst of situations that that's where often God chooses to move most. Now, today we're thinking about praying for a Bible, which is what it's all about. Remember, one cannot manufacture revival. One cannot plan for it, one cannot organize for it, but one can pray for it. And so we're thinking about this passage here, one that I think is incredible because it seems almost like a blank check. It just gives you this promise that God will move the mountains. So let's go to this mountain here. Could God even move this mountain? Does anyone know which mountain this is? Anyone? Begins with E? Everest, Everest yeah. <laughs> Nice picture of Everest. Mount Everest, over 8,000 meters tall. One of the climbers who climbed it called it the ascent into hell, which sounds nasty. I think 1% of climbers who climb it actually lose their lives climbing it, even today. What does this mountain represent for us? What is the tallest mountain, the highest mountain in the world for us right now? spiritually. What is that for us? What is that? How do we move a mountain? When you have a think, what, how do you move that? How do we move that mountain that you're thinking of? Do we get a spade? Go to the spade, get the spade, get on Mount Everest and be like, I'm going to shovel on the Mount Everest. And obviously that does make a bit of a difference. It's not worthless, but what will end up happening is most of Mount Everest will still be there, even if we do it every single day of our whole lives. Or then maybe we could do a big plan and get everyone together that we know and create a big plan, create loads of networks, do lots of advertising, and then we might get a few thousand people to begin shoveling. And we get quite a lot done. It wouldn't be worthless because some of the mountain would be out of the way. But the mountain would still be vast, vast in front of us. Maybe we could give up and we'd be like, Mountain, you stupid mountain, go away. We could shout at it. We could tweet about it. But still, it stands there. It hasn't gone away. 
But this is what Jesus says about the Mount Everest that we face. Mark 11. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go and throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you have received it and it will be yours. So, it's a bit like looking, we've been looking at the mountain, we've been trying to figure out how to destroy the mountain, but that's not what it's all about. Next slide. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refer to some bits around the church today because I thought it was good. So, that's my hand randomly wiggling the, um, the whatever you call it, joystick <laughs> on the PTZ thing in the room over there. And that's the thing that moves around these cameras. Our next one, those ones behind you. There's one there, there's one there, high online people. Um, and they move around and focus on different things. You can choose which thing to focus on. I imagine that camera there probably could like do a big zoom into my face. Uh, or it could zoom into uh, that duck up there. You see that duck up there? <laughs> Those ducks are all around the place. It's great. So, it could, so imagine, imagine it zooming all into that duck up there. It, that's what you'd be focusing on. Whatever we look at, whatever we seek after, whatever we're focusing on, that's what this is about. We need to move the, count, the camera off the mountain and onto the mountain mover. The only one who could ever move the mountain in any way. That is God. That's what prayer is all about. Realizing that we can't solve it by looking at the mountain and digging our way and trying to come up with some grand scheme, even involving all of humanity, to try and get rid of it. We have to look at the mountain mover. The one who actually literally says, this is Jesus' words, he says it more than once, that he can move the mountains in response to our prayers. No mountain is too vast to be obliterated by the floods of the Spirit of God. And prayer releases these floodgates. Next one. So prayer is like this blossom in Normanton Meadow just down the road that we saw in February when we were just walking Wesley. And he was running around doing his dog stuff, trying to find the foxes. And we saw this, and I really like taking pictures of blossom because when I see it, I'm like... Look, it's like a sign. It's like a little picture of the early signs of spring. It's the sign of the coming of the spring. It's, that's like what prayer is. Prayer is the sign that something better is coming. It's a work of God amongst us. God is the one who initiates prayer. He creates it almost like the blossom, the early shoots of blossom before the spring comes in all its glory and all its life. That's what prayer is. It's the quaking of the ground before the floods of mercy come and obliterate the mountains of hopelessness. But maybe all these things here sound sort of poetic and abstract, maybe. But God's word encourages us to think of the works of God in the past, both in Bible times and in more recent times. One thing that really excited me about prayer, because I didn't used to care that much about prayer, apart from maybe in a personal sense, about prayer for anything big, this book I read by Pete Gregg, Red Moon Rising, it was one of the things that really got me into it. And why it was is because it just has story after story after story after story of ways God moves through prayer. I think when we hear these stories, and there are literally so many of them, if you search for it, there's literally more than you can even, you just cannot even get through them even if you read all of your life. 
when you read them, you're like, ah, oh, God can do so much more than I've ever seen. Because one of our problems is we haven't necessarily seen God do it, and so we don't think he can. But when you read these stories, you realize God can do so much more than I have ever seen. So I'm going to give a few examples, as in some previous weeks. So next one. So here's, here's a nice place in Ulster and in Northern Ireland. And in September 1857, four people met to pray. Uh, it was James McQuilkin, Jeremiah Manili, John Wallace, and Robert Carlyle. And they met for prayer in this schoolhouse in, in Kells, in County Antrim. And it was just four of them, just a small prayer meeting. We've seen loads of prayer meetings like that. And God used that as the spark to initiate a huge revival. Interestingly, this is September 1857, before this was, so that was when the movement happened in 1859, but in 1857, that's when the prayer, the early shoots were coming. And at the same time, by coincidence, there was also a prayer revival in New York. That began with six people at the same time, September 1857. God is moving all around the world, starting with these little blossoms, these little signs of new life, just like the tiniest of the buds of the new spring, and coming forth to something wonderful. Huge waves of the move of God's spirit in Northern Ireland and in Wales at the same time, actually, and in the USA. In Ulster, 100,000 people came to know Jesus. People had conviction of sin and repentance, and there was a huge reduction in crime. Police didn't really have many people to actually go after anymore because of such a reduction in crime. In the USA, it's said that one million people came to know Jesus. This sort of thing, we've never seen it in our lifetimes. These were not professional professionals, or whatever that means anyway. They weren't ministers. They weren't trained theologians, anything like that. They were just people who longed for God to move and wanted to meet together, even in small numbers, because they believed that God could move the mountains. This is the kind of mountain that the spirit of Jesus can move to our prayers. Okay, next one. So East Africa in the 1920s onwards. This was a great move of God that broke out Rwanda, Uganda, Kenya, and wider than that. The earliest flames of this begun in prayer. There was two days prayer between two people called Joe Church and Simeone Sibabi in 1929. It was just these two people meeting up and they both longed for a move of God in Rwanda. And they longed for that, and they prayed together. One was a missionary, uh, a Western missionary. One was from the local area. And there was this amazing move of racial harmony coming together between the missionaries and the locals. There was this move of harmony. There was a move of church harmony in an intensely divided situation. That was a huge part of this one. And this move went on for over 50 years. It was like the fulfillment of the last verse of the reading, where Jesus says, And when you stand praying... If you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. So we see confession, reconciliation between people was part of this huge move of God that affected huge parts of the continent of Africa for decades and decades. This is the kind of mountain that God, that the Spirit of Jesus can move through our prayers. Okay, now next one. Now this one is really interesting. So again, I've been looking around the church and I think I first read about this, possibly in this book. But then, at the back there, uh, that's just the board or in the corner over there. I was wandering around one morning, on a Thursday morning, and I was like, ah, I recognize that name. Does anyone recognize any of the names on there? I saw, in the middle there, there was Jackie Pullinger. And I was like, Jackie Pullinger, I've heard of her before. I was like, 
what is, yes, that's her. And I was like, what is, what's her connection to Emmanuel? And apparently, I was asking someone this morning, because I was really puzzled, I couldn't find it anywhere on the internet, and that's the only thing I often look at. Um, it's apparently she grew up here and once lived on Normanton Road area. And her story is amazing. It's an amazing example, again, of what the mountains that God can move through prayer. And there's literally countless examples in her book. But she felt called to be a missionary to Hong Kong. No one wanted to accept her initially because she didn't have any training or anything. So she went there just with only a small amount of money, just turned up, left the rest to God in 1966, as was written on the previous one. And she ended up reaching out to drug addicts in this part of Hong Kong that was like an unpoliced district in the... Kowleen Ward City, hope I said that right. And it was controlled by violent gangs. There was incredible warfare there. And in her autobiography, Chasing the Dragon, she describes these wondrous experiences. You know they're not made up. They're just not made up. These amazing experiences of these heroin users, desperate for freedom from addiction. And their withdrawal, which could have killed them or would have been intensely terrible or impossible for them to go through, They turned to Jesus, and there was this incredible thing that happened many times of this withdrawal being made pain-free, in her words, as they turned to Jesus and were filled with the Spirit. This was a true living example of the Spirit of Jesus Christ poured out like water on many, many, many thirsty souls in this district that seemed so hopeless, called the City of Darkness. That's her again. She established a center reaching out to young people where she saw all these lives transformed from violence, from horrendous abuse of others, hopeless drug addiction, and they became evangelists themselves. She saw these mountains moved by the power of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. This is the kind of mountain that Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, can move to our prayers. And now, next one, slightly less dramatic one, but this is just, I wanted to give another example that was one of the clearest prayers I think I've had answered in my, in my life. This was for my 20th birthday in 2013, and that was a cat cake for that um, Pete, Pete's girlfriend at the time, uh, Lucy, uh, made for him, and because I love cats too, they said oh, I could have the cake too. So that was that was that when I was at Cliff College. And next one, this is me with Pete and Lucy, who are now married, and they were they were really super encouraging to me. And they gave me this coat at the time because I was like quite like I was quite like eccentric. I'm already, I think I probably still am now, really. <laughs> but I used to just go for walks at night without without any torch or anything. And they were really worried about me because I was going for these prayer walks at night. So they gave me this coat. Um, but the reason I give these is to give a bit of context, because a few weeks earlier than these pictures were taken, in my last few weeks of being 19, I had been praying to Jesus because I had heard people say, I love Jesus. They'd said things like that at this place, Cliff College. And, and I just was like, I don't feel that. I don't feel this love. I don't really think, my heart's just not in it. I, when I said things like that, it felt empty or meaningless or sort of completely didn't mean anything. And I've been walking around these, uh, these uh, lanes around the Peak District, and I've just been praying to God, please give me love for Jesus, give me love for Jesus. And I was praying that, I think, for a few weeks. I'm not actually sure how long I was praying it. And what happened is God answered that prayer. And next one. 
So I love engaging with live worship streams to this day. And at this point, I engaged with worship in this way, partly because I found all the worship in person wasn't necessarily quite, uh, it wasn't necessarily as dramatic as I longed for it to be, perhaps. And so I used to listen to lots of these online. And I tuned into, in 2013, on January the 12th, at 3 a.m., on the top floor of that, oh, previous song, quickly, sorry, um, on the top floor of there, you see it on there, on those rooms up there in a place called the Fishbowl, because I had a glass panel. I was tuning into that, this live stream from California, and God answered this prayer. And this was, this was incredible. It's affected me every day of my life since then. So, next one. This was, this is a bit like what the live stream was, someone uploaded it later. And what happened is during this worship set, as I just had this, this thing in my mind, I don't know what you call it really, this incredible realization that everything good in the world, that I'd seen that all the sunsets, all the beautiful things, all the, all the goodness around us, everything was pointing to the one who created it, to the goodness of God. And in that moment, I saw that God was the summation and the, the fullness of all the goodness of every other thing put together. And in that moment, I was like, wow, I do. I feel love for God. I feel that love. And that was this awakening of love. And it was an answer to prayer. And it was a moving of mountain because I couldn't have manufactured that. This is the kind of mountain God can move. The spirit of Jesus can move through our prayers. So next one. What about us? Mountain with a big question mark. What is that mountain? What mountain? What is the Mount Everest that we are facing? Animosity, bitterness, injustice in the world. When you look at the world and the injustice, it's like this huge mountain. So many people not knowing the wondrous hope of Jesus. What mountain are you facing? What mountain are we facing? What is that? What is the Mount Everest? Now, one last thing. Looking at the east window over here. This is when I was just wandering around the church finding stuff to reference. Over here, I was looking around. I was like, oh, that's very interesting. And then I found this little, this little note at the side. And I don't know much about this. Some of you might actually know more about it. But I just read it and took it at face value. And it says on it, this window was destroyed by enemy action in 1944 and was replaced in 1954. And I was like, oh, by enemy action. That is an interesting phrase. And I looked this up. And it was probably enemy action a bit like this. This is Brighton Road in 1940, uh, where, the, where the bus station got bombed out. So I'm assuming it was some sort of enemy action, some bomb or something that was dropped, and it destroyed the window. And then I was thinking, what has broken into our lives? What has been broken? What has been shattered into shards that was beautiful before? Because of enemy action. Not people enemies here. This is not... We are all on the same team after all. This is spiritual forces of evil, Ephesians 6.12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. What have we lost to enemy action? What have we lost? What beautiful things have been lost? Next one. Here's one example of someone who really saw this. William and Catherine Booth, the Salvation Army, I love this quote from theirs. They really saw what had been lost due to enemy action. They saw the injustice and it moved their hearts to pray for God to move the mountains. Here's a quote from William Booth. 
While women weep as they do now, I'll fight. While little children go hungry as they do now, I'll fight. While men go to prison in and out, in and out, I'll fight. While there is a poor little lost girl upon the street, I'll fight. While there yet remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight, I'll fight until the very end. Next slide. What mountains do we cry for God to move? These very mountains are the kind of mountains the spirit of Jesus can move through our prayers. He's done it in the past. He's done it in individual lives. He's done it in many of our lives. He's done it throughout the nations. He's done it through history. He's doing it in the present. He can do it with these mountains too. And when the Holy Spirit comes and fills us, we will know. When he comes, when he moves the mountain, we will know and we will rejoice. Let us cry to the Lord. Lord Jesus, you know the mountains that we face. You know how overwhelmingly vast they are. You know that we have no hope of taking them down ourselves. We cry to you, fulfill your promise. You said that if we have faith and say to the mountain, go and be thrown into the sea and be obliterated. You said it will be done. So we cry to you, Lord, that you would move the mountains. That you would move them. We can't do it. We can't do it. Only you can move these mountains. We pray, fulfill your promise amongst us. For your sake. Amen. Now I'm going to hand over to Natasha because we're going to continue in our prayer for moving the mountains and for God to send his spirit on the dry and thirsty land. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.